Hello, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, The Wilderness Years, or, as of this week, The Closet Years. Okay, stop the music. I am literally sitting in my closet recording this, which is less comfortable than you might think. I kind of wish I could go back in time to last millennium house hunting Quinn and say, could you do me a favor and go stand in the closet? Because in about 20 years, there's going to be a pandemic, which is going to keep you quarantined in your house, and you're going to end up doing your podcast from this closet, and I have to be honest, I wish you'd look at a few more houses. At which point, younger Quinn will say, what's a podcast? Wait, a pandemic? Thank God the adults are in charge. And I will say nothing because I understand the rules of time travel. Anyway, let's begin. Our first question comes from qcbad.com. Subject, sad telecommuter. Dear Quinn, I'm new to working at home. I'm the supervisor of a group of people. We have one difficult person to work with who just never seems to be on the page with the rest of us. And now that we're working at home, she's still the same. Except she's bothering us online now instead of in person, and it's almost more invasive. She doesn't follow instructions. How do you handle a bad telecommuter who makes everyone want to curl up in the fetal position and weep? If this podcast has taught me anything, and I think we all know it hasn't, it's that a lot of people are supervising idiots who somehow can't be fired. I think you need to create a paper trail of what is and isn't getting done. Every morning, you send her an email. I need A, B, C done by end of today. Don't give her a list for a week. If she's not great at following instructions, several days' worth of instructions isn't going to make her better. If she's really incompetent, the email is I need A done by noon. If you start getting panicky messages, you repeat, I need A done by noon. If she really doesn't seem to understand how to do her job, write her an email explaining how to do A by noon. Then, at some point, may it please the fates, we will no longer be working in pajamas and we will be back in offices and you will go to your boss and say, here are some emails and here are my concerns about this person. You may not be able to get rid of her, but you have at least created a record of the problem. She is not the last incompetent you will oversee in your lifetime. Take this opportunity to figure out if there's a way to be rid of them. Here's another question. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, scared. Dear Quinn, my sibling is a doctor. Today at her hospital, there were seven new COVID cases. Three were doctors, two are on ventilators. She was on call three nights last week, treating ER patients at that hospital. I am terrified I will lose her. I know I can't get her to stop doing what she thinks is her moral duty, but how do I calm down? You breathe. And you remember that even in the highest risk populations, the elderly, those with pre-existing conditions, the vast majority of that cohort still isn't getting COVID. And if they get sick, they live. 
this is an awful weird time, but it is a time that statistically we're going to live through. You're supposed to be worried about your sister. You love her. You aren't supposed to be panicked. Keep breathing deeply and cling to statistics. Let me tell you how I use them. I hate flying. Hate flying. I do not believe an object of that size and mass can stay aloft. If you have ever had the misfortune to sit next to me on a plane, I apologize because there's a fair amount of squeaking involved. What keeps me from total mental shutdown is a mantra I repeat inwardly over and over and over. And that mantra is Naomi Campbell. Allow me to explain. Naomi Campbell has been a supermodel for over 30 years. Supermodels fly all the time, often several times a week. Even on those small planes, I hate even more than regular planes because they're basically blenders with seatbelts. Naomi Campbell, with all those air miles, is not dead. If she is still alive, the odds are I am going to live through this 45-minute flight to Las Vegas. I want you to find some sort of random statistical fact, some person who has survived COVID against the odds, and I want you to shorten that story into a word or a sentence to calm you in dark times. And then I want you to go donate blood because you need to feel as if you are of service right now. It will help you feel more balanced. Also, you then get cookies. And it's hard to panic when you're eating a cookie. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, Cat Playtime. Dear Quinn, Sometimes my cat sends me signals that he's bored. A bored cat tends to attack my feet in bed, and he has sharp, pointy parts he likes to use for that. So, to alleviate the boredom and preserve the integrity of my feet, I break out a nice cat toy. Something dangly on a stick, usually, so we can play and burn off some of that pent-up energy. He's very enthusiastic about jumping at it maybe three times. Then he retreats to a corner where he sits, motionless, never taking his eyes off the toy, as I shake, drag, wiggle, jerk it, every which way, but refusing to chase it in any way, shape, or form. Do you know any tricks to making a toy interesting to a feline? Here's the good and the bad news. You have a smart cat. Your cat has figured out this is not a mouse, nor is it a bird. He is slightly less bored, but he is now looking at you like, yeah, I know it's you. Also, Rosebud is a sled. What else you got? When your child is smart, you have to constantly shake it up, give them new projects. Same with some pets. You need a constantly rotating selection of toys, Nothing used more than once or twice before it goes back in the bag of tricks for a week or so. But Quinn, you might say, I really, really don't want to go broke buying cat toys. And I really, really don't want my apartment covered in cat toys. I understand. You need not spend a fortune. You don't need a thousand things. I have one cat who lives to fetch hair scrunchies. And yes, I just admitted there are hair scrunchies in my house. I refuse to be embarrassed about this. Create tinfoil balls. 
put a high-value treat in a crunched-up paper ball, let him try to winkle it out. Ooh, you really want to exhaust and physically tax him? Look into leash training him. I mean, you're home right now anyway, right? And it is highly entertaining when you put the harness on them, the look they give you, comedy gold. By the way, you're a really good cat owner for doing all of this. Keep up the good work. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, quarantine shit. Dear Quinn, I've been living with chronic health and mental health issues most of my life. I've mostly come to terms with it, but today I've had to take another day off from making masks and gowns for our local hospital. Many years of therapy, so doing pretty well giving myself permission. I bet there are lots of people out there who are beating themselves up for not doing enough. Maybe you have some advice for them? Allow me to quote the poet John Milton. You know, in case you thought I was cool. Anyway, he wrote a sonnet about making peace with his blindness, which he feared would prevent him from writing any longer. The last line is, They also serve who only stand and wait. I think about this line a lot right now, at least in part because my kid got EMT certified, at least in part because she feels best when she's helping people, only she's not certified in California, and as you might guess, the people handling that paperwork are a little distracted right now, so she can't help. I am stuck in my house with a very tall person who is not able to be of service. Yes, we have a foster kitten. He is hilarious. Yes, we're donating blood. There are still a great many hours every day when she isn't in online classes at her college, when I'm not extricating the kitten from something that is an existential threat, when I notice that what I think of as my service is just writing a lot of jokes that involve the word nutsack. I'm not as much of service as I wish I was. It feels itchy and it sucks. If you haven't figured it out, I don't have an answer, even a bad one. I think we have to accept that we're standing and we're waiting and that most of the people we know are in the same boat. In this time of social distancing, we also serve who only stand and wait. Some days that's enough. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, a plague of exes. Dear Quinn, seriously, what is it with people texting their exes right now? And why am I hearing from people who in a normal year I wouldn't hear from more than twice, once for the virtual Christmas card, and to exchange a like or two on social media posts? Because people think they are confronting their mortality, and that makes some people a touch squirrely and makes some people a little horny. Or they haven't spent this much time with their actual partner since the honeymoon, and they didn't realize how often she hums to herself. Either way, unless you're getting something out of it, I give you permission to ignore them. This one comes from QCBad.com. Subject, my parents voted for Trump. I'm angry. Dear Quinn, 
I'm a mother with a husband and two children. Our family is close. My parents live in the same town. My mother was my best friend. We talked every day. And then the election happened. My parents are conservative. Didn't like Secretary Clinton. They watch Fox. We never agreed politically. We just didn't talk a lot about politics until 2015 became the fork in the road. We did our best to help the parental units understand the risks. Still, they went right. We went left. The parental units still believe the problem is socialists. I've tried reason, begging, helping them understand the harm this does to their grandchildren, to no avail. It's four years later, and I'm angry. Our relationship is broken. How do I move forward? When people say this is a cult, they are not exaggerating. It meets the definitions of a cult. Your parents had their fear weaponized, and now they belong to a cult. You have every reason to be angry and grieve for what was taken from you, from your children. How do you move forward? You move forward by allowing yourself to understand that what you're feeling is both grief and anger. If you only see one, the other one gets a chance to grow unchecked. The grief is, my parents were taken from me. The anger is, my parents abandoned me. Both are true. If they are Fox viewers, it is now possible that they are greater risk of getting COVID because they are getting fed a steady diet of lies. There is nothing you can say which will change this because they are in a cult. Again, you have every reason to be angry and grieve, and that takes as long as it takes to heal. I have one thought. Find a memory of your mother from long before politics. Maybe some night when you were a kid and you were sick and she came in and rubbed your back until you fell asleep and you felt feverish and crappy, but also really happy because she was your mom and you were safe. That person is as real as the one railing against socialists. Actually, that person is more real because loving you is real and MAGA is a lie. Hold on to that moment and look for that person in her. And good luck. Okay, I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy, that's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to QCBad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. The question can be any length, but I'm finding they work better if they're shorter. Just a hint. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. People have already started asking me how they can get a bad advice fork in a toaster t-shirt or coffee mug, and my answer to them is, hang in there, we are working on it. 
I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.